0: We uh, sang that song, I'm no longer a slave of fear. Um, But some of us are, aren't we? We don't like to admit that. Uh, Fear comes in in many packages, comes wrapped up in many things, involved in many ways. Uh, Things we see on the news, perhaps, maybe it's a threatening person. Loss of a job, uh, bad weather, uh, health issues, neighborhood unrest, nearby crime. You can add all sorts of things to those, things that might spark a little bit of fear, anxiety in you. Fleeing, running away, you know, just flat out avoiding people, trying to avoid life. And again, you can add all sorts of things to that that have happened in your life. as I was thinking about this, fear has a way of exposing our weaknesses. I think sometimes that's what, that's what brings the fear, you know, is our weaknesses. We, we don't feel we have control. We don't feel we have, that we can even influence sometimes the outcome. And we don't like that. We don't like it to be out of our control. We don't like to be, um, you know, we, we want to be in the driver's seat. A couple experiences this week on Thursday I was driving to Warsaw I drove to Warsaw with uh, Pastor Kent and another pastor rode with us and the other pastor was sitting in front and uh, as we're driving down 30 um, he got a little nervous tyranny can identify with him because I was driving and um, we're coming and he says it's a red light yeah I know that I can see that but i um, uh, Jenny same thing yesterday we drove to Chicago so there you go there's the there's the identification for you Terry uh, we were in Chicago yesterday and uh, as we're going along uh, the road Jenny says you realize that's a red light don't you <laughs> yes yes I see that's a red light so driving with me is one of the things that instigates fear in some people but we have you know Fear is, we don't like it when when we don't have control sometimes. And fear shows up those weaknesses. It presents us, fear presents us with a choice. And the choice is how we respond to fear. It is either going to further weaken our weaknesses. You know, it's it's going to make those things even worse or the response will strengthen us. Today what we're going to do is look at some responses to fear that can help us be stronger not weaker, but help us be stronger and help us live in and from faith because that is how we will grow stronger. That that will help us to grow stronger, things that will help us grow stronger in our faith rather than be stalled, rather than be frozen, rather than, you know, worse yet, pushed backwards. Let's pray. We're going to turn into our passage here in a moment and look at it. Father, thank you for who you are to us we say that and and we know you are you are the the lord you are a king you are a leader you are the savior and yet we we know fear well scripture is pretty clear fear does not come from you help us today as we look into your word uh, we can identify we know what it we know what it means to be afraid we don't want to be there we don't want to stay there Things come up in our lives, even we may not be wrestling with it now, but we know it will come when we're going to have to choose how we're going to respond to fear and give us guidance now that we might choose those things that will make us stronger in you, stronger in, in faith, stronger in our relationship with you to be able to not be pushed around or pushed back by fear, but to move forward in you guide us use your word we pray in christ's name amen we're going to be in genesis chapter 32 genesis chapter 32 those of you who are used to hearing me say this um, you know I, i'm going to read from home and christian standard that is the bible in the pew so if that's easier for you um, to follow what i exactly what i'm reading you want to do that otherwise i always say exactly what i'm reading and as i read through it i kind of miss a word here and there so it's real it's really close that's the closest we'll get is what you have there Uh, at the end we're going to be in chapter 32 at the end of chapter 31 jacob and his father-in-law laban finished making a covenant that they intended was was going to ensure that they would never see each other again that was the intent of the covenant that they made you know that nice saying in the King James, it comes out rather nicely, you know, may the Lord watch over thee and me you know, while we are apart that 's not a blessing that is that, that that is not a blessing at all. that is a statement that is made saying we 're asking God to keep us apart don 't you come near me, and i won 't come near you that 's the thrust of of what comes at the end of chapter thirty one there and it, this came after Jacob had married both of Laban's daughters if you recall and think back to the story he said uh, he was working for Laban Laban said what should I give you he said I'll, I'll work 7 years for the, for the younger for the younger daughter Rachel she's you know she's uh, she's the one I want uh he substituted his older daughter Leah and so worked another 7 years so uh they had both daughters there and they had at least 12 children uh, between them. I say at least because you'll see as we read on, not today, but in weeks to come, there's more than just one daughter that he had, but just one is listed up to this point. So he's had at least 12 children with these uh, two wives and their servants, because if you recall in their mad dash to want to produce offspring, they each gave their servant to Jacob as a wife. This was their solution, not God's direction. That was their solution. And uh, so they they had all that, you know, wanting to give him the most children. This is also after 20 years of underhanded dealing between Jacob and and Laban here. And Jacob's fears show up in, in every part of this passage we're going to read today. As we read through it, you will see his fears show up everywhere in this passage, including the prayer that we're going to read through. Uh, follow along. I'm going to read the first 21 verses of chapter 32. So said, Jacob went on his way, and God's angels met him. When he saw them, Jacob said, This is God's camp. So he called that place Mahananim, Jacob sent messengers ahead of him to his brother Esau in the land of Seir in the country of Edom. He commanded them, You are to say to my lord Esau, This is what your servant Jacob says. I have been staying with Laban and have been delayed until now. I have oxen, donkeys, flocks, male and female slaves. I have sent this message to inform my lord in order to seek your favor. When the messengers returned to Jacob, they said, We went to your brother Esau He's coming to meet you, and he has 400 men with him. Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. He divided the people with him into two camps, along with the flocks, cattle, and camels. He thought, if Esau comes to one camp and attacks it, the remaining one can escape. Then Jacob said, God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, go back to your land and to your family, and I will cause you to prosper. I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown your servant. Indeed, I crossed over this Jordan with my staff, and now I have become two camps. Please rescue me from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid of him. Otherwise, he may come and attack me and the mothers and their children. You have said I will cause you to prosper, and I will make your offspring like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. He spent the night there and took part of what he had brought with him as a gift for his brother Esau. 200 female goats, 20 male goats, 20 ewes, 20 lambs, 30 milk camels with their young, 40 cows, 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys, and 10 male donkeys. He entrusted them to his slaves as as separate herds and said to them, "'Go on ahead of me and leave some distance between the herds.' Then he told the first one, "'When my brother Esau meets you and asks, "'Who do these belong to? "'Where are you going?' And whose animals are these ahead of you? Then tell him, they belong to your servant Jacob. They are a gift sent to my lord Esau, and he is behind us. He also said to the second one and the third, and everyone who was walking behind the animals, say the same thing to Esau when you find him. You are to say, look, your servant Jacob is right behind us. For he thought, I want to appease Esau with the gift that is going ahead of me. After that, I can face him, and perhaps he will forgive me. So the gift was sent on ahead of him while he remained in the camp that night. Now, that's how we're going to look at and and cover this morning here. Uh, You know, we find Jacob here, and what's happening is he's leaving one hostile confrontation with Laban, with his father-in-law Laban. He is leaving that hostile confrontation. And what he is doing is he's moving forward here. He's heading to what he expects to be another hostile confrontation with his brother Esau now as he's going along uh, you know he he's burning that bridge behind him you know they they made that pact they made that that promise they they said you know, lord lord watch between don't so we won't i'm not crossing this line to go to you don't you cross this line to come to me and so after that he's going now he's turning and he's heading to his brother esau the last time that he saw his brother esau uh, jacob had tricked their father isaac into giving him the blessing that isaac had intended to give esau uh, Jacob and Esau were, were brothers. Were, were twins. Esau born first. Jacob born second. The first one's the one who's supposed to get the blessing. We're told, you know, in the scriptures earlier that that uh, Jacob, that that uh, Isaac preferred Esau, and so you know he wanted him, and you know just like it in a sense should have been in their custom and in their time, and. Well, mom favored, and I don't mean it's being derogatory at all. You know, the mother, his mother, favored Jacob and wanted him to get the blessing, and concocted this whole thing. And if you recall, because Esau was hairy, understatement of the of 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 the book, perhaps, uh, she covered she covered Jacob's smooth skin with goat hair, because apparently that's how hairy um, Esau was. I've seen some hairy people, but not like that. Anyway, sends him in, sends sends him in, you know, and and he gets the blessing. And, and you know, Isaac's eyesight was bad at that time, and he said, hey, you know, he goes through a few different things. Hey, uh, come closer, you know, and and uh, you know, give me this. He says, "Who is it?" You know, and he says, Jacob says it's Esau. You know, your your son. And through all of those, and Jacob says, you know excuse me, Isaac says, the, the the voice, the voice is is that of Jacob, but the smell, the food, man, that's, you know, that's my son Esau. And so he gives him the blessing. Now Esau's reaction was not really good. Uh, it, it, it was, in fact, uh, he feeds a determination to kill his brother Jacob. This is what it says in chapter 27. It says, Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. And Esau determined in his heart that days of mourning for my father are approaching, then I will kill Jacob. When the words of her older son Esau were reported to Rebekah, she summoned her younger son Jacob and said to him, Listen, your brother Esau is consoling himself by planning to kill you. So now, my son, listen to me flee at once to my brother Laban in Haran, which he did. And as you recall, if you if, if you recall, uh, uh, you know, both Rebecca and they, they said, it'd it just be a few days, just be a short while until your brother cools down, and then I'll send for you. Here we are 20 years later. 20 years later, here we are. And now he's finally returning. The angels that meet him are simply a reminder to Jacob of God's promise to be with him wherever he went. As he was leaving this land to go to Laban, God met him at Bethel, if you recall. And there was that stairway, Jacob's ladder is referred to often. And then he made the promise, part of the promise that he made to him as he passed on the blessing, the promise that was given to Abraham passed on to Isaac and now it's passed on to Jacob there. And he gave him that promise, and this was a time when Jacob really needed to remember God's promise. And what happens is he realizes that God had been with him all along, just as he promised. He said, you know, look, I, I am with you. I will watch over you wherever you go. This is the promise God made to him as he left the land. I'll be with you wherever you go. I'll bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Here we are 20 years later, 20 years later. This is unfolding. One of the best responses you can have to fear is to be aware of the presence of God. To be aware of the presence of God. The angels meet him here and remind him of what God told him, remind him of God's presence. He looks back and he sees where God has been with him. And and that's reminder. you know, he will, God has told us, you know, he will be with you. He will be with you. You are not alone. Fear can make us feel alone. Fear can make us feel like you know there is no one there. Even in a crowd, we can be surrounded by people who when fear's there, we feel alone, like we're the only ones who have to face this thing of what's going on. And God has promised, he said that he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Hebrews chapter 13 says, for he himself has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Never, that's a, that, You see, this this, this that's a long time. That's what God said. You know, he's promised to guide you, strengthen you. Part of what Michelle read today from Isaiah chapter 41, he says, do not fear. He doesn't just tell us don't fear. He says, why? For I am with you. Do not be afraid again. Why? Because I am your God. I will strengthen you, he says. I will help you. I will hold on to you with my righteous right hand. I will hold on to. Yesterday, when we were in Chicago, we took three of our grandkids into uh, see, uh, into Shedd Aquarium, and we went down there. And if you've ever been in Chicago, you know there's always people, you know. And so we get out of the parking. We, there was some kind of race going on there, so there were a lot of more people there. And we parked in a parking garage at Soldier Field, and as we're getting out of there, there is traffic in that parking garage. I mean, they're just lined up in there. And I got Max, he's three years old, I got him out of the van and I said, you know, before I got him out, I I stood in there, I said, Max, I said, you got to listen now. I said, this is very busy, you have to stay right by Papa, you know, you have to stay right here. And I put him down. I held his hand. And there were times he tried to pull away. I held his hand. I was not going to let go. I wasn't going to let something happen to him. This is the picture of what God gives us here. He says, I am with you. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold on to you. We get a little weak when we're afraid. Fear causes that weakness, and we begin to wonder sometimes, you know, Is God there? Does God care? What we have to remember is who's holding on to us. I will hold on to you, he says. Now it seems these angels come along and these angels reassure Jacob of God's presence as he heads back to Canaan. Back to face Esau and back to face his past. You see, he knew that he had crossed the line. He knew that he had wronged his brother. Look at what it says at the end of verse 20. He says, perhaps he will forgive me. Perhaps he will forgive me. He didn't say, well, perhaps he forgot about this stuff. He says, perhaps he will forgive me. Why? You, you, you You only look for forgiveness when you know you've done something wrong. And he knew that he had done something wrong. This is a reminder, it's just a reminder to us, you know, one day you will have to face your past. You will have to face that. Now, when you have a relationship with Christ, God will, you know, God will forgive you when you ask him to. When you have that relationship with him, you know, he says he will forgive us and he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we come to him and we ask for that. But you still may have to face the consequences of broken relationships. You still may have to face the consequences of societal penalties that you have to face. You still may have to face some of those things. You know, simply because God has forgiven you does not mean that man will forgive you. You know, just because God has forgiven you doesn't mean man will. But when you have a relationship with God, he will be with you through the fear. He will be with you through the consequences. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will hold on to you, and he will be with you through all of those things. Now, Jacob sends messengers ahead to Esau to let Esau know that he was coming, and probably to feel Esau out a little bit. The messengers returned. You notice there he says, yeah, we found Esau, and by the way, he's returning with 400 men with him. Well, um, that just wouldn't seem good. You know, that just wouldn't, that wouldn't seem good at all. Jacob is thinking here that he's going to get thumped, you know, and thumped real good. In fact, it says in verse seven, very clearly it tells us that Jesus, that, that Jacob, Jesus, that Jacob was afraid, greatly afraid and distressed. That's how it's worded here in the and Christian standard, greatly afraid and distressed. That's uh fear greatly afraid and distressed jacob starts out notice trying to protect himself by his own planning seems to be maybe trying to cut his own losses in fact that's kind of how he words it. he divides his people he divides his possession into two groups verse 8 he says you know that he, if Esau comes to one camp and attacks it then you know the other one can escape so if he comes one with the other one and and you know at least we'll have something left but a huge change a huge about face for jacob begins in verse 9 Verse 9, Jacob begins to pray. This is the first mention of Jacob praying since he left Bethel 20 years before. Since he left Bethel when he had that conversation there, when he had that dream, and he had that, you know, and, and here it is, you know, where he said that surely God is in this place. This is the first mention of prayer of Jacob praying since that time. It seems Jacob turns to God when he realizes that this is out of control. Now, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Because, you know, some of us, when, we, when, when, we, when things are out of control, and even when we realize things are out of control, what we do sometimes is we begin to put in our own plan into place because we think we got an idea of how to get this back under control. You know, we think we have an idea of, of what we should do. I remember when i was when when I was you know a, a teenager and driving uh, foolishly, and then I was going down down the road down the street and it was snowy I you know just thought it 'd be kind of fun to fishtail around the corner, and so I did you know, and I just kind of put my foot in it a little bit and slid on the snow and then just kept my foot in it and slid back again and just thought, boy, this could be fun. I kept my foot in it and slid back again until the car went around and I started sliding toward the curb and, you know, and I'm going over and the snow is flying over the car and I knew there was a telephone pole there, so I thought it was a good idea to get away from it. So I just left the driver's seat, and moved over to the passenger seat, good old days when he had bench seats handy thing and just slid on over into the passenger side as the car continued on its way, you see, and continued going. Because sometimes we think that we're going to get things under control and we don't. And it's just like that where we're spinning out of control, you know, and we're just spinning out of control with that. And you know, when the car stopped and I turned on the wiper blades and I'm looking in somebody's picture window up against their bushes in their front yard, um, you know, the, this is what we do sometimes, though. Things start to get out of control, and we think, well we, you know we think well we, you know we could get this under control, we can handle this, you know we can we could keep going you know we can hand, and before you know it, things are out of control, things are out of control, and, and there 's so much going on sometimes we don 't even know which way we 're heading when we when we get into, when we get into trouble like this when we get into this we we know we have to we have to realize that when things are out of control don't make them worse. Don't make them worse. Don't, you know, don't, don't pile on all of this other stuff. You know, don't, 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 you know, Jacob is doing what's a good thing here. He turns to God and he begins to pray. You know, he, you know, he starts out trying to protect himself, but here he turns to God and when it's out of control. He can't go back to Laban. And he, and, you know, and going forward, going forward seems like he's just getting into the fire pit. Going forward to see his brother Esau, and now he's coming with four hundred feet. God has now God has Jacob's attention. You know, he has his attention, and Jacob starts his prayer addressing God. Notice as God of his father Abraham and God of his father Isaac. Now we've heard him use these expressions before when he was, you know, he was kind of keeping God at a distance, and that was as far as that's usually where he stopped. God of my father. You know, and, and here, you know, he's just connecting God with his ancestors. But this time, notice, Jacob continues. He goes on with his personal experience with God. The Lord who said to me, the Lord who said to me, you know, speaking of this this personal interaction that he's had with God, this personal thing now now he's he's beginning to take that step, and it's not just a God of my fathers. He says now this is a God who's talked to me. This is a God who who you know who who I can have that relationship with. If you're ever going to finally win over fear, you need to have a personal relationship with God. You need to have a personal relationship with Him. Without that, you are on your own. You are on your own and left to your own ideas and your own devices. In our relationship with God, now, you know, God does not give us what we deserve. He does not give us what we deserve. In our relationship with God, he, some of us think, well, you know, I, I do want what I deserve. No, you don't. In our relationship with God, he spares us from what we deserve, and he acts toward us according to his grace, giving us what we don't deserve. He gives us life. Romans chapter 6. It says, but now since you have been liberated from sin and have become enslaved to God, you have your fruit, which results in sanctification. And the end is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, what we have earned are our wages. The wages of sin is death. What you have earned... And you know, some people say, well, you know, I think I've done enough good things and I think that that'll be okay. I've done enough good things. I know I've done some bad things, but you know what? I've done enough good things, so I think I've earned God's forgiveness. Here's what you've earned. What you've earned is death. What God gives us, you know, God gives us eternal life. That relationship with God. God acts in line with his character, not in line with our character. He doesn't act in line with our character, he acts in line with his which is a god of mercy, a god of grace, a god of love. And when we come to him, he you know, he accepts us. He forgives us. When we when we have that relationship with him. In his prayer here, Jacob does two things which I think we really need to make sure that we see. He begins, it seems, and Jacob might even feel at first that he's reminding God of all that God had told him. God never forgot what he told Jacob. God didn't didn't need any reminding. Jacob is the one who needed reminding. That's why the angels met him here. Jacob needed to be reminded of God's continued presence with him. God remembered all the time. Jacob was the one who was forgetting. This prayer here is a reminder for Jacob of all that God had said. He looks back and he remembers all that God had said. This, this was Jacob's opportunity to rely on the promises of God, to stand on the promises of God. When you're gripped by fear, remember to take your stand on the promises of God. Recall what God has said. Now that comes with a little bit of you know a little bit of a, of a precursor here to know what he had said you need to know what he's said you need to read his word you need to see what he has said you need to open the bible more than just on sundays you need to look at the word and see what he has said then when you get into trouble you'll know and you'll be able to recall what god has said why because you've read it because you've seen it Because you've interacted with it before. Recalling God's promises is a real motivator to deeper faith. Being able to recall his promises. Because after you recall them, then choose to stand on them. Choose to live based on what they say. Make your decisions based on the promises of God. Not based on fear. But based on the promises of God and what he has to say, not on your fear, not on what not on what fear is doing within you, what we need to see happening in verse 10 here is a transformation. Jacob is opening up to God. The, the words that Jacob uses to address God here, he says, you know, to talk about God, he says kindness and faithfulness. Some of the translations use steadfast love and faithfulness. Other ones say loving kindness and faithfulness or kindness and faithfulness. These, these, two, these are translations of the words that were used to describe the, the, the covenant faithfulness of God. The covenant faithfulness of God. Not His people. But of God. That he is the one who is kind and faithful. He is the one whose steadfast love was there. He is the one whose loving kindness, whose kindness and faithfulness is there. That it's from God and it's of God. Jacob, what he's doing here is he is realizing and he is admitting who God really is. He is seeing and understanding and coming to grips with the reality of who God is. Now, at the moment, Jacob expects to get slaughtered. And he feels his family is going to get slaughtered. Look at verse 11. Please rescue me from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid of him. Otherwise, he may come and attack me and the mothers and their children. He was open and he was honest with his fears. I am afraid of him. I am afraid of what he's going to do. you want to handle fear, you want to face fear, you want to grow from fear, then what you need to do is you need to pray openly and honestly to God. You are not informing him. He already knows. What you're doing when you're praying openly and honestly before God is you are admitting your need for him. You are admitting your need. When Jacob says, I'm afraid of him, he is admitting his need. You're not fooling God at all by putting up a brave front. When, when Jesus and his disciples were, when Jesus' disciples were caught in a storm, and then Jesus saw that and he says he left and he walked out, he walked out on that water to them, and as they're t- tugging and pulling at the oars, uh, you know, they look out and they see him and they thought it was a ghost, and they said, you know, who is that? You know, dude, who are you? So, you know, it's a paraphrase. Uh, you know, he says, who are you? And he, he says, you know, it, it, it's Jesus. Uh, and, and, and Peter says, if it's you, if it you, let, call to me, let me come. So he steps out of that boat and he steps out of that boat. Now we, you know, we're familiar with the story is he steps out of the boat and says, and the waves were there and Peter knows all that stuff. And and he started to sink. And what did he do? I'll be all right. I'll just keep walking. No, he didn't. He said, Jesus, help me. Help me. You know, be, oh, put up a brave front, you know, and, and you're going to sink. You're going to sink in fear. Be open. Be honest with God. Pray openly and honestly, admitting your fears to God and to yourself. Admitting those fears to God and to yourself. Jacob expects to get from Esau the response that his actions deserved. He expected that Esau was going to treat him in the way that his actions deserved. Jacob didn't know that God had already changed Esau's heart toward him. Jacob didn't know this yet. Because, you see, God was working on Esau those 20 years while God was also working on Jacob. As Jacob was over there working for Laban. And after Jacob prays, notice he puts together a gift for Esau, rather an extravagant gift. It's over 550 animals because they, they list those animals and they say it was the milk camels with their young. So it's over 550 animals. Now to us, this may look like a bribe, like trying to appease uh, Esau. And some of the translations even, even almost present it that way. Uh, the word in, in verse 13 translated a gift, a, a present. Some of your translations say That's a Hebrew word that indicates a tribute. A tribute, a gift given that expresses loyalty to a superior. That's the word that is translated here that he puts together this gift or a present for Esau. It is it's a that word that indicates a tribute, a gift that expressed to Esau the loyalty as a superior. And in verse 20, when Jacob says, I want to appease, some of your translations say pacify Esau. In Hebrew, that word means to cover his face. It's an expression that means to cover over guilt. So what he's doing is he's giving a gift here. He's humbling himself and he's admitting his guilt regarding his actions toward his brother and toward God. He is admitting his guilt there, and God had promised Jacob, you know, all that he had promised Isaac, all that he had promised Abraham. God told Isaac and Rebekah that the older son Esau would serve the younger son Jacob. And and Jacob here, you know, he didn't he didn't stand on, on faith in God's promises, but he connived and tricked his brother Esau, you know, and his father to try to get what God had promised to give him. That's not faith. Jacob did not act on faith before. When he tricked it, when he took advantage of his brother, when, when he lied to his father, to his father, that was not an action of faith. Now Jacob appeals humbly and generously to Esau, whom he has wronged. And he comes before God admitting his need, admitting that he, that he, he was wrong and he needs help. Now let me very quickly give you several observations and we're going to wrap this up. First of all, embrace hum, the humility but not the worthlessness of fear. Embrace the humility. What I mean by that, you know, fear punches a hole in our courage. Fear deflates our pride. It also rattles our faith. It drains the confidence, and we begin to feel worthless. We begin to feel like we have somehow failed. Don't believe it. The enemy would like you to believe that don't believe it at all learn from your fear but don't live from your fear second thing be sure you're responding to god and not simply reacting to fear Respond to God. Don't react to fear. Jacob is battling, you know, as as he's influenced here by fear. And yet he's reaching out to God and he is struggling between the two. He is struggling between that fear and he is struggling between his faith in God. This is the same struggle we go through with fear and faith. We want to have faith, but the fear just seems to be looming its head. And we want to have faith, but the consequences just seem so, so, so imminent and so terrible and we want to try to avoid it but we want to stand in faith and we go through wrestling with the same thing and we see Jacob going back and forth between those two things and we need to know that deliverance come from fear comes by faith in God not by appeasing the enemy admit when you're wrong honestly Come to God with your fears. Honestly come to Him with your sin. And follow His Word. Live from, you know, live, follow His leading, living from His Word, not from your fear. And then also realize faith doesn't mean that we do nothing. You see, faith means we live in line with God's Word and God's character. That's what faith means, living in line with God's word and God's character. This is our relationship with God, living out the faith we say we have in him. So what's all this leading to? How can we summarize all of this? God's people live from faith, not from fear. You have a choice when fear comes. You have a choice of how you're going to live. You have a choice of what route you're going to take. Choose faith. Choose faith, not fear. Let's pray.